at ease. <laughs> I, I appreciate you, Dennis, but when he said Pastor Randall, I don't want you to get the mistake, those of you who are visiting for the first time, that I am the church's pastor. The real pastor will be back next Sunday, and he and his wife, and y'all come back and y'all listen to him, and you'll be highly impressed. Amen. Everybody here said amen. 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 The question I have for you today is, whose report are you going to believe? Amen. That's a good question. Can you hear me? Am I too loud? Well, in 1967, me and three of my friends skipped school, and we went to Tucumcari Mountain, and we climbed down the mountain to a ledge. We were going to climb all the way down, but we got to a ledge, and we found out that from the ledge to the bottom, was we couldn't go any further. So we stayed on the ledge. We wondered what we was going to do. So what do young men do when they get in trouble? They <laughs> That's your only one today. We get in more trouble. We took all of our clothes off. Yeah. And we was hugging this wall of this mountain, hugging it. We was on a ledge about a foot wide, hugging it, going, we really need to go back up there, but there is no way, and there's no way we can go down there. As I looked over the ledge, a still small voice said, go ahead. It won't hurt. It's not very far. You'll hit, you'll roll, and what a story you will have. That was not a good voice. I ignored that voice. Otherwise, I would not be here today. Amen. In 1980, I was standing in a C-130 airplane. I had a parachute on my back. I had a reserve on my front. I had a 80-pound ruck down between my knees. I had my rifle on my side. I had my gas mask, my helmet, and I was standing in a C-130 doing 173 miles an hour, and I was about to jump out of this airplane with a parachute. And so we went through our ritual, and we finally got to the place where we were standing in line, and we were fixing to march out to the door, and the jump master says, Go. That was not a still, small voice. That was a scream to get over the noise of the aircraft and all of our whining and complaining, moaning. And we were all praying, all praying. And as, we, as I stood on the edge of that door, my hands on the door, getting ready to jump out, he said, go. And without hesitation, I jumped out. And within five seconds, my chute opened. And I drifted slowly, quietly, safely to the ground. The rate of descent for a person in a parachute is 22 feet per second. The rate of descent for a person with no parachute is 118 miles an hour. One would have killed me, ended my life. No Carol, no kids. No preacher today. 
But the reason I didn't jump when that still small voice told me off the mountain was because I never had heard that voice before. Come on now. I had never heard that voice before. It was quiet, it was calm, and it was still, and it was trying to be my friend. There are many voices out there today that want to be your friend, but you have to discern whether that is a good voice or a bad voice. And the Bible says that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of discernment. That's just another reason why we need to be baptized continually in the Holy Ghost to have that gift of discernment to know the bad noise, bad voices from the good voices. Now, that voice from that jump master I had heard many times before. We had jumped before. We hadn't jumped before, but we had trained together. And he had done thousands of jumps and as a jump master. So we had done this before. So I trusted that voice, and it brought me great joy. It was one of the most wonderful sensations in the world. It is so quiet. There is no sound but your own <laughs> breathing. I think that's what kept the parachute up, all, all of our hot breathing. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> he said, yes, yes, yes. I got you back. Enjoy. Enjoy. Today, in Crossroads, there are many voices. In Greenville, there are many voices. In your family, there are voices. In our community, there are voices. In Washington, there are voices. The politicians have voices, especially now that a, uh, an election is coming up. So we're hearing all kinds of voices telling us, yes, this, no, that. I can do this. I can't do that. They, they're not worthy. I'm worthy. Vote for me. We hear this over and we will hear it until we are sick of hearing these people if we're not already sick. I'm pretty sick of hearing it already because I already know who I'm going to vote for, God's person. The media has a voice. It is powerful. It is loud and it's powerful. It's informed, yes, and it has a voice that it wants you to listen to. It, spin, it puts its spin, it spin to get the most amount of people to listen to them because ratings is everything to the media. So who wants to hear what Washington has to say today? How many want to hear what the media has to say? How about, how about a politician? I've got some stuff written down by a politician. You want to hear what he has? How many of you want to hear what the Word of God says today? That's what we're going to do. I'm going to preach to you the Word of God. Oh, my Lord. He says, yes, I am. In Luke 11, 21 through 23, Jesus is discussing the working of miracles. His enemies are saying, you're only able to do miracles because you've got the power of the devil with you. He said, well, I've got the power of the devil with me when I do miracles. Whose power are you using when you do them? That shut them right up. He said, but if I do miracles by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God is here. That was his message. The kingdom of God is here. When Adam, was in, when Adam fell, he, re, he relinquished the power and authority of the kingdom over to the enemy. And today, look at the world today. Who is ruining and reigning the world today? The enemy, Satan. It is full of evil. 
And Paul said, when the last days come, evil will abound. And I look around and I hear all these evil voices doing evil things. And I go, surely this must be right on the cusp of the coming of Jesus Christ. But the Bible also says where evil does abound. Come on now. Yeah, I know there's going to be a lot of evil coming. You're going to live in an evil time, and I chose you to live in that evil time because I've given you everything you need to overcome that evil because my grace endures forever. Oh, my grace endures forever. Forever. <laughs> oh, if that wasn't a dead bug, you'd be jumping and dancing. So Jesus says, when a strong man, pastor taught about this several months ago, and when I heard it, I just got in my spirit, and I, I can't get, that's what I think about all the time. When I get up, when I go to bed, I'm thinking about the strong man and the stronger man. So in Luke, is it up there? Luke 11, he says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are peacefully kept. He was talking about the devil. You talk about the devil. But when a stronger man, which is me, Jesus, but when a stronger man, then he attacks and overpowers him, the stronger man seizes all the armor in which the strong man trusted and divides the spoil, the strong man spoils. Meaning, when the stronger man comes in, and that's what I'm talking about this morning, I'm going to give you scripture illustrations of when the stronger man came in and overcame the strong man. There may be a strong man in your life right now that's lying to you, that's deceiving you, that's de defeating you, that's telling you the wrong story. Go ahead and jump. It won't hurt, and it will kill you. Go ahead and take that. It won't hurt you. Go ahead and do that, and it won't hurt nobody. But it's a lie from the pits of hell. And the truth is, obey what God tells you to do. Do good. Micah says, do good and walk right. Amen. Matthew 8, chapter 2. And we're going to stay in Matthew for a while. Jesus had been on the mountain, and he had just preached one of the greatest sermons ever preached by anybody at any time, the Sermon on the Mount. It was, it's, you need to read it over and over and over and over again. It's got everything you need in that sermon. It is wonderful. So after this, he was coming down off the mountain. It says, Jesus came down off the mountain after giving the Sermon on the Mount and was greeted by a man with leprosy. Now, miracles were not unknown at this time. People were doing miracles. Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. As simple as that. I have nothing to offer you, Lord, but my trust. But if you will just touch me. <laughs> come on now. If you'll just touch me, there's nothing in my body that, has, that can stay that's not good. He said, I will be whole. Not only will my leprosy be gone, I'll be in my right mind. I will be healthy. I will be thinking straight, walking straight, doing straight. If you just touch me, and that's what I'm trying to tell you today, well, if, the stronger, if you let the stronger man touch you today, then you will be completely whole. I'm talking about sinless, blemishless, blotless, 
perfect in every way. But you got to let the stronger man touch you, not the strong man. Jesus said, I will be clean. <laughs> you know, I listen to us pray for people, and we get so emotional sometimes and so loud and so boisterous. Sometimes we get a little anxious and we start pushing a little bit far harder than we should be pushing. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The healing's not in the manifestation, though. And Jesus, I mean, I want you to get how simplistic the gospel of Christ is. Okay? We think it is so difficult for God to heal us. It's so difficult. It's going to be so hard. And, and we go to him, and if you're willing, you can heal me. Just touch me. And Jesus says, okay. You're touched. Be healed. And we go, is that it? Is that it? I mean, there's no shouting and crying and blubbering and, and, and things like that. And he's, you're healed. Leprosy. Jesus can heal leprosy. And then he, the same day he's walking down and it says immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately. Not later. Not partially, but immediately. Somebody say amen. amen. Forget about the people walking around. Pay attention. This is the word of God for you. In Matthew 8, 5 through 13, it says, And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him or begging him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home sick with paralysis and terribly tormented. The centurion did not say, come and heal him. He just presented the problem. Sometimes all God wants to hear from you is the problem. Jesus went to one man, a blind man, I believe, one day, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, that's a dumb question. No, it's not a dumb question. I want to hear you say it out loud. I want you to say it out loud because I want him to hear what I'm fixing to do for you. Come on now. Come on now. So what do you want him to do for you? Tell him explicitly what you want. The centurion answered and said, Lord, no, Jesus said to the centurion, I will come and heal him. I will come. How, how arrogant Jesus is, isn't he? How arrogant. I'll come and heal him. I, mean, I don't need no help from nobody. Get out of my way. I'll come to your house and heal him. And the centurion said, no, no, I'm not worthy. <laughs> I'm not worthy for you to come in my hovel. But all you have to do is speak the word. This is a soldier. This isn't a theologian, a church goer. This is a soldier who kills people for a living. He said, because I've got men under me, and if I tell them to do something, they do it. We don't negotiate. Huh, Tim? Sergeant Major come along, and whatever he says, we don't talk about it. We don't negotiate it. We don't whine and complain. We do it. Doesn't matter if we want to do it or not. The Sergeant Major got more authority than we got. We just do it. Sometimes God just wants you to do it. But speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. Just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come to my house. You don't have to anoint him with oil. You don't have to get the elders of the church. You don't have to call the church. But if you will just speak the word, he'll be healed. 
What the centurion was saying, I believe there is so much power in your word, Jesus, as it travels through time and space, it will arrive at a certain destination and it will do exactly what you tell it to do. And whatever is there that's bad has to get out of the way, has to go away. Amen? That meant, it says, and the servant was healed that very moment. Don't you know that servant was happy? Come on now. Whenever have you been really, really sick and then you got healed, how do you feel? My dad said one time, he's a very deep man, very theological speaker. He says, it just feels so good not to hurt. He was pretty simple. It's just so good not to hurt. I believe that paralytic man became an unparalytic man. I believe he stood up. <laughs> says, look at me. I can walk. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but I know one thing. I know I'm not laying in that bed to being tormented. I know I'm walking around, and I'm happy. Can you imagine the centurion and the servant getting together when the centurion got home? He said, whoa, boy, you up. He said, yeah, it's about this time of the day when, when I, just, I just, it just raised me up. And the centurion says, that's exactly when Jesus said that you'd be healed. You think they became believers? I think they became believers, yeah. So a, a man with leprosy, a paralyzed man, the same day, the same day, Jesus is walking to his disciples. This is at the beginning of his ministry. He's with his disciples, and they're walking around. They've did, they had just listened to him preach on the Sermon of the Mount. They had just seen him heal a man of leprosy. They had seen it with their own eyeballs. It's hard to confuse somebody when they've seen it with their own eyeballs. Isn't it? If you've, if you've felt his touch, it's hard for someone to convince you he can't touch you. So he just walked around with his disciples. He goes to Peter's house. Huh? He goes to Peter's house. He goes into the house. And you're not old enough to be a, a wife or a mother, so I'll have to pick on somebody. A little bit. Oh, yeah, here we go. So he's going, he goes into Peter's house. Peter's a good man, good apostle. He's married. He's got a wife. And Peter, uh, Jesus walks in and he sees his mother, Peter's mother, laying in the bed. And she is, has a, what kind of those headaches that are really, really, really super bad? A migraine headache that is just tormenting her. She can't function. Jesus did not say, Peter, would you like me to pray for your mama? He did not ask the mama, would you like me to pray for you? Would you like to be healed today? Have you got faith to be healed today? We're talking about God. God don't need nothing from nobody. So he simply walks over. As he's walking, he simply lays his hand on her. doesn't say anything to her. Just lays his hand on her shoulder. The fever has to. Oh, come on now. You people are. If you are sick and somebody walks into your presence and walks over and touches your shoulder and you feel a healing, you ain't going to lay there and, and whine. You are going to jump up and you are going to get busy for Jesus. It says that she got up and served them. <laughs> headaches. Yeah, God, God can heal headaches. The same day. It says, when evening came, they brought to him many 
who were possessed with demons. Now we're getting serious spiritual warfare. Leprosy, paralytic, headache, but now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. This is where, this is what Jesus came into the world for. He said, I came to undo the works of him. It says, when evening came, they brought unto him many who were possessed with demons, and he cast out the spirits with his word. Get out. Get out and don't come back. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. We only see in the scripture small portions little clips of what Jesus did. I believe that wherever Jesus went, he was doing something to undo the works of Satan. Get out, Satan. Get out, Satan. Be healed. Be delivered. Be saved. Oh, hallelujah. Be delivered. Get out, Satan. Go away, Satan. I am the stronger man. I'm coming into your house, and I'm going to take your stuff, and you can't have it back. I'm, letting, I'm not letting you back in. I'm the stronger man, and you'll never have this again. Everywhere he went, it did not matter what the need was. He didn't stop and say, oh, this is a toughie. This is a toughie. I need to go up to the mountain to pray. Why? Because he'd already been to the mountain. Maybe some of the times when we pray, nothing happens is because we haven't been to the mountain. We haven't been to the mountain. We haven't been alone with God to find out what his perfect will really is where he wants us to go, what he wants us to do, what he wants us to say, how, how he wants us to see, what he wants us to speak, how he wants us to act. But Jesus always knew. He always knew the perfect will of God. And he said, it is God's will that you be healthy, that you prosper in your spirit as you do every other way. I'm giving you the best I got. What are you talking about? Come on, Randall. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all who were sick. <laughs> Not one person left unhealed. <laughs> There'll be people that leave this place today unhealed and untouched, but it won't be Jesus' fault. Oh, hallelujah, because the stronger man is in the house, and he's here to do the work that God has sent him to do, and it's to undo the works of the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. He healed every single person. He did not go up to them and say, so, you good, you good Republican? Are your tithes paid up? You go to church every Sunday, the Sabbath, the temple, the synagogue, whatever it is these days? Are you good to people? Are you homosexual? Are you straight? Are you drunk? Are you addicted to drugs? Do you beat your mama? He didn't ask any of them questions because that wasn't important at that moment. What was important was getting them healed. Because he knew if he could get him healed, then they'd stop doing those drugs. He'd stop missing, mis abusing people, and he'd start living and walking right. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to heal you. Why? Because he needs you. He wants to heal you 
so you can be used of him. He needs you. He needs you. I love the way she dances, don't you? I wish I was young enough and limber enough to do that, but it just ain't no. I live vicariously in her dancing. Amen. Amen. I know some of you sitting there so jealous of her when she gets up there. She is so free and in the spirit and just, just loving God. The way, oh, come on now. Just worship me. Don't matter what anybody else says. When you're standing there and you need me, you just touch me or let me touch you and I'll take care of it. And it don't matter what anybody else thinks or says. Later on, it says when Jesus was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. Inasmuch that the ship was covered with the waves. You ever been there? You ever been on a boat in a storm? I have. I've been on a big boat in a storm, and it was still scary. We were coming from Hawaii. We was going to California to be. Our whole unit was moving. And we were in a big boat, but a really bad storm came up. And I'm telling you, it scared the hootus out of all of us. We stayed sick. Amen. And on our knees. And we weren't, we weren't Christians. We were heathen. We prayed anyway. Yeah, maybe, he, maybe he'll take care of us anyway as heathens. He will, you know. <laughs> he will, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, when the, when, but Jesus was doing what? He's over there snoring. He's in deep sleep. You know that deep sleep when you're not aware of anything? That's where Jesus, he's in deep sleep. The rim, his eyes were just going like this. His disciples came to Jesus and woke him up. Lord, save us, we perish. He said, oh, ye of little faith. Why are you so fearful? Did not not heal the leper? The leper? Did not heal Peter's mom-in-law? Did I not cast out the demons out of all those people? Did, did you not see me do all that? And you're afraid of a storm? You are a professional seaman, and you're afraid of a storm? Then Jesus got up, rebuked the winds in the sea, and there was a great calm. <laughs> there wasn't a slight breeze blowing. There weren't little ripply waves. I'm telling you, that water was like glass, and there wasn't a leaf moving, not a leaf shaking. Absolutely, perfectly quiet. That in itself would have been a shock. I mean, going from a hurricane to immediate quietness. That would shock you, wouldn't it? And shock me too. But the men, being typical believers, they marveled and said, what manner of man is this that even the seas and the wind obey him? <laughs> it's the same man that healed that guy of leprosy the other day. It's the same man that cast them demons out of them people all the other day. It's the same guy that healed all those people the other day and healed Peter's mother. It's the same guy, yeah, same guy, same power, yeah. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Hmm. 
woman in, in Matthew 9 talks about a woman with the issue of bad blood. If I may just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. How Jesus would love to hear that from you. <laughs> Amen. I'll pay more money. I'll come to church more often. I'll teach a class. I'll shave my head. I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just heal me. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to do any of them things. What I am asking you to do is ask me and trust me. That's what I'm asking you to do. And she said before she ever got up to Jesus, way before, and there was a crowd, and it says she had to press in, press in. She had to press in. She had to force her way in to where Jesus was. Jesus was unaware until she touched him. How many people were touching him? Dozens of people jostling him. But it was when she touched him with that faith that he goes, wow. I just felt virtue flow out of my body into somebody who was it. And Matthew says when he saw her, when he saw her. I wonder what she's doing. Can you imagine what she's doing? I don't know what bad blood means other than gangs. You know, bad blood. Yeah. Thank you for that one thing. Yeah. But I don't know what it's like to have septic blood. Sepsis? sepsis? Septic blood. Poisoned blood. It, blood goes all through you. Everywhere, there's not a place in your body that blood doesn't go. And if it's poisoned, it brings poison to your body. It must be a tormenting, a tormenting pain all the time. And in her pain, she said, if I can just, if I can just, she didn't say if I can ask him and if he can touch me, if he can speak the word. <laughs> she didn't say those things. She had heard him. Maybe she had seen him do some stuff. Maybe she hadn't. But I believe the Spirit can so move on us to draw us to the healer. Draw us to the one that he will use to heal us. If I can just touch. And I don't believe she went, oh, help me, Jesus. I believe she touched him. His, the hymn. Where's the hymn at? So how do you get to the hymn? <laughs> if I could just, don't even look at me. Don't, you don't have to talk to me. I just need to touch the hymn of that garment right there. Just touch it. And I will be healed. You think it's difficult for God to heal? You know how long it takes God to heal to save somebody? Seconds. The thief on the cross said, remember when you come into your kingdom, Jesus says, you will be with me today in paradise. How long did it take me to say that? Ten seconds? Ten seconds is all it takes for Jesus to heal somebody. When Peter was going down in the water, Peter yelled, Lord, save me. I, I'm, I'm going to die in this water. And it didn't say, you stupid. What would you get out of the boat for if you wouldn't trust me all the way? I and mean, that's what we think. Isn't it? 
you're just a, Peter, you're so, you're so, you don't think about your actions. You just jump in the water. Just jump in the water. Why did he jump in the water? Because, because Jesus told him to. So Jesus did not rebuke him. Jesus knew what was going to happen. <laughs> oh, come on now. Will Jesus ask you to do something that he knows is going to bring you into a place of, of terror or, or, or turmoil or, or pain or promises so that you will have to depend 100% upon his power? Yes, he will. And that's what he wants. Come on, Peter. I know what's going to happen, but come on, Peter. Not just for your sake, but for Randall's sake. You hear me? For Randall's sake. In 2023, when he needs me and he sees a storm, he sees the storm and he gets afraid. And then the Holy Spirit will, will give him a scripture and he will see me approaching him and he will say, Lord. I took the mic off. That's, that's cute. That's cute. How long has he been off? The last 20 minutes. last 20 minutes, and you just hadn't paid any attention, right? You didn't care. Preach on, brother. Preach on. Do you hear what he said? I don't know what he said. But he looks, I mean, he's yeah, I like the way his passion is, yeah. So do I have to back up to, uh, huh? About 30 seconds. Well, that's good. I knew I was punching it hard. I was getting, I was feeling the presence. Yeah. Oh, Peter, thank you for failing. Thank you for showing me that in the midst of your failure, you proved to me that my Jesus is faithful to me. <laughs> that even though I step out in faith and I get messed up with the situation, I take my eyes off of him and I start falling into the water, all I have to do is say, help me, Jesus. And his hand is out. Take it if you want it. And it says that they went to the boat. Come here, Tommy. <laughs> Come here. This is Jesus. I'm Peter. So I'll have to be done here. Nah, just kidding. <laughs> so I'm Peter, and I'm falling, and I say, help me, Jesus. And what do you do? You grab me. And he pulls me up out of the water. And then what do we do? We all go back to the boat. We go to the boat. <laughs> Hey, man, that was really cool. How do you do that? How do you do that? Man, that is so cool. You are so powerful. Wow. Thank you for saving me again. Thank you for pulling me out of the mess again. Amen? So you see, when you ask Jesus to let you come to him in a storm, he already knows what's going to happen. Amen? 
He already knows what's going to happen. You're going to have a choice. Even Peter in the water had a choice. Save me, Lord. Jesus didn't automatically and miraculously raise him to the top of that water. He said, I will, but you've got to obey me. You've got to get your eyes off of the storm again and get them on me. Look at me. Look at me, Peter. Look at me. Take my hand, Peter. I'm the one that you need right now. I've got the power to lift us both up on this water, and we'll walk to the boat together. God has power over nature. He can stop the sun from moving if he wants to. Joshua learned that. Just stop it. I need a little, few more hours, Lord. Okay, no problem. Son, you hear that? Just hang tight. I'll tell you when to start moving again. The world's voices say that's not possible. It would, it would destroy everything if the sun stopped moving. Well, I got news for them. The sun ain't moving anyway. Is it? It's not moving around the earth. Is it? What is the earth doing? It's spinning at over 100,000 miles a second, isn't it? It's spinning. So what did God really do? <laughs> so what did God really do? He stopped the earth from spinning. You look at me and go, oh, brother, you've stepped over the edge. That stuff you smoked in the 60s, it's coming back to haunt you right now. Your mind is not clear. You're having a hallucination. If my God is able to create it, my God is able to control it. If he can tell the sun and the moon where to be at a certain time of the day, he can change his mind and say, not change his mind, but he can change their altar. They can change, he can change anything he wants to. And we're going to get to one here in just a minute that, that the world says, well, that can't happen either. That can't happen either. Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. What? I thought it was you. Yeah, it is me, her faith in me. What did Peter and Paul, Peter and John, Peter and Paul, Peter and John, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Peter and John say when they were asked how the lame man was walking? He said, by this man's faith in the one that gives power to start walking. A ruler comes to Jesus and says, my daughter, now this is really, I mean, we're talking about he's healed people of leprosy, of a headache, of paralysis. He's stopped the storm. He's controlled nature. Amen. And now we hear where it says, my daughter is now even dead. Dead. But come. But come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Do we fully understand what this woman is, what this man is saying? I have a daughter that I love. She is the apple of my eye. I will do anything for her, give anything for her, sacrifice anything for her. But she's dead. The world would say, well, you know what you do with dead people. You bury them. 
But that's in the natural world. Are you with me? Now, I know that God doesn't do this every time. And he doesn't expect us to do it every time. But this was an exhibition of the parameters of the power of Christ, which his disciples, us being part of that group, needed to be shown and told and exemplified. He says, "If she, I know she's dead. There's no doubt about it. She's not sleeping. There's no pulse. There's no heartbeat. There's no breathing. She's dead. But, but, I've heard about you. <laughs> I've heard about you, Jesus. I'm not one of your group, but I've heard about you. You're my last hope. My last hope. My last hope. If you can't help me, I've lost my daughter. Jesus and the disciples followed him. The musicians and mourners, when they got there, were making a large noise. Jesus made them all get out. When they were outside, Jesus went and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. In, the, in Matthew, I think it's in Matthew, it doesn't say that he said anything to her. I know there's a time where he says, Talitha Kumi, which means arise, little girl. But Jesus, I'm telling you, the touch of Jesus can turn everything around. This woman was dead. Dead. No life. Did Jesus ask anybody's permission to bring back life back into this dead person? No? Did he have authority to raise her back to life? Absolutely. Not only the authority, he had the power. And he simply grabbed her by the hand. Oh, I would love to see that today. I can visualize it, can't you? I can visualize it. This beautiful, well, she may not be beautiful. She may have been plain looking, I don't know. Short, tall, skinny, chubby like me. No hair, lots of hair. Did not matter to Jesus. Have you been a good girl? Do you deserve to be healed and brought back to life? Will you live a good life for me the rest of your days? He did not ask you those questions, did he? You know why? He did not care. Sometimes we put so many parameters on getting a healing from God that God just has to wonder who we are, whether we're sane. He simply grabbed her by the hand and life overcame death. <laughs> I know that we've heard this story many times and we've heard stories just like it many times, but understand what is happening. Miracles were being done, but this was not the healers were not bringing people back to life. This was totally out of their realm of possibility. But Jesus is showing us, well, I know he can heal a headache. I mean, we saw that, didn't we? He can heal a headache. He can heal 
you know, paralysis and leprosy, and, and he can heal. But there is a limit to God's healing power. Because we don't go to him with those really, 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 really tough things that the, the, the world, the doctors, the, everything says they're dead, they're gone, it's over. Jesus is looking for someone who will just trust him to do the impossible. He loves doing the impossible. Because with God, nothing is impossible. Now, I have a grandson, my first grandson. He was 100 days old when he died of colon cancer. 100 days old, our first grandchild. It devastated us. I was pastoring a church. It made it extremely difficult to preach hope, love, and care and peace when I was in turmoil. I would stand in the pulpit accusing God, questioning God, wondering, doubting, preaching about the love and the faithfulness of God. And he never raised Justin to life again. But I will see him again. We will see him again. He has been in heaven for years now. I'm a little jealous. He's in, he's in heaven. He's in a perfect world where there's no pain, no storms, no evil in the presence of Mr. Perfect, <laughs> the stronger man. Oh, my goodness gracious. Blind men, he healed blind men. He healed a mute and a demon-possessed man. He fed over 7,500 people with five little pieces of bread and three little pieces of fish, sardines and crackers. I mean, is there a different menu? I mean, Lord, you're, you're all powerful. Could you change this into filet mignon or something, you know, something really good, homemade bread or, you know. I mean, the sardines and cracker thing is just not really, you know. But if God gives you something, it's exactly what you need. <laughs> oh, all these people so hungry. And the disciples say, Jesus, you need to send them home, send them away to the store so they can get something to eat. And Jesus says, no, I don't. You feed them. You feed them. That's an impossible thing, God. Because we have no food. We'll search for food. Oh, we found five pieces of bread and five, three little pieces of fish. That's all we have. God goes, that's all I need. That's all I need. Bring me what you have, and I'll bless it, and it will be more than sufficient. You sit in there thinking, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not this enough or that enough or this enough or I've done too many bad things or I'm a failure. And God says, if you will just bring me what you have right now, just bring me what you have and let me bless it. I may have to break you. Oh, wait a minute. What? What? Says he blessed and break the food. There may be some breaking going on in your life. He may need you to break some things off of you, break some bad thinking out of you, some bad, give rid of some of these bad habits that you do. He said, but if you'll just bring me what you've got, 
Well, I'll, when I've got my education, I'll come. He says, that'd be too late. When I become rich, I'll come. No, that'll be too late. Well, next Sunday, I'll come for sure. That'd be too late. You, you, don't, know, you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow, much less next Sunday. Amen. Amen? You may be called out of this world, and you don't want to be called out of this world without me. Amen? And all you have to do, you don't have to do any great feats. You don't have to do any great anything. All you have to do is come to me. Bring me what you have and surrender that to me. And it will be more than enough. Every person ate until they were puking full. Just like y'all going to be when you go to that restaurant today. Some of you are going to order the full meal deal. And you're going to eat until you get sick. And you have to go home and take a nap in Pepto-Bismol because you ate so much food. So much. We are such pigs. Oh, I'm there. I'll be with you. How do you think I got this? This, this is not a miracle. This, is, this has been a lot of work. This is a lot of work. I'm going to do some work today. Now I forgot where I was going with that. What? What? They ate until they were puking full. And you know what I mean, too. It says that they were all full. 5,000 men. You know how much food 5,000 hungry guys can eat? I could take six of these guys and, and feed the fullest church full of food, and it wouldn't be enough for them. They're such pigs. They eat so much food. 5,000 men. We'll say half of them were married. 2,500 women. Maybe they had one child. That's 2,500 children. How many people is that? 10,000 people. 10,000 people. All I need is what you got. All I need is what you've got. All I need is what you've got. I don't need what you don't got, but I do need what you. Jesus could have prayed, Father, let manna run from, come from heaven. Couldn't he have? Let the quail come and fall to the ground dead and cooked and sautéed. Yeah, he could have. But he wanted them to learn that if they'll just bring what they've got to the God of all things, that that God will bless it and break it and use it, and everybody there will get filled. And not only that, they had 12 baskets over. 12. Hmm. I wonder what that means, 12. Numbers mean things to God. Twelve. What, were, what was twelve? Oh, let's see. Twelve apostles. Twelve tribes. Every tribe and every nation and every people. God has made proficient. Has made provision for their salvation. And his name is the stronger man. Jesus walked on the water. We've heard that story. Jesus was talking to Peter one day, and Peter said, they're coming to us. They're sending soldiers to us. They, they're going to collect taxes. How many of you like to pay your taxes? Yeah. Not, not one of you? Wow. Surprise, surprise. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus tell Peter to do? What did he say? 
That's all he he said that later. But what did what did he tell Peter to do? How do you know the story? Go down to the water without a line, without a fishing pole, without any bait, and look down in the water, and there'll be a fish sitting there going, Money. Jesus told me to bring this money to you. Is that not what happened? You think that fish decided one day, hmm, let's see, I've got money in my mouth. I, what do I do? I'm going to take it to the man. Jesus told that fish, after Jesus put that money in that fish's mouth, this is what I want you to do with that money. Swim to the coast and there'll be somebody there to get it. <laughs> what foolishness. Huh? What foolishness. Not foolishness. Just showing the parameters of the power of Christ. I could heal a headache. I could put fish in a I could put food in a fish's mouth to pay your taxes. Come on, Jesus, do it. I want I'm going fishing today. I'm going to that water today. I'm gonna look for some fish with money to pay my taxes. They're going up. I need a bigger fish, I need more money. Come on, Lord. You can do it. You can do it. He turned water into wine, his first miracle at a wedding. Water into wine, and we could preach a long time about that, but we won't. And everybody said, amen. And the last one I want to show you, well, let's see. Yeah, in John 7, 11 through 15, Jesus was coming into a city. He got to the gate, and a group of people were coming out the gate, and they had a, a funeral beer, and there was a young man laying on it. It was the only son of this, of this woman. She, her husband was gone, her only son, and he was dead. And everybody was mourning, and everybody was weeping, and she was heartbroken. And Jesus went over to the wood. He didn't even touch the guy. He didn't even touch the guy. He touched the wood that the guy was laying on, and the guy raised up. He just raised up. You know why? Because life overrules death, even through wood. I mean, if Jesus can walk through a building, surely he can... Heal through a piece of wood. I mean, look at you. I mean, some of us are real blockheads. Amen? <laughs> Amen? And he can heal through us. Oh, he can heal through us. He says to the woman, why are you crying? Don't cry. Don't cry which sounded really stupid to say to a woman grieving over the loss of her son. But he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. And he that was dead set up and began to speak, and I do not doubt it. He started to speak. Can you imagine from death to life, what do you think you'd be talking about? So, what's the point of all this? Here's the point. John 14, 12 through 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me will do the works that I also do. And he will do greater works than these because I am going home to my Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may be with you forever. Jesus called the twelve to him and sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority and power over all the enemy. Power and authority. Power is the inherent ability to do something. Authority is the permission and the right to do it. So not only when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he brings great power, he gives you great authority to do what Jesus has done. Now, I know that that's where most of us stop and we get sleepy and hungry. And we start looking at our clock when I start talking about what your obligation is to this. It's wonderful to listen to what Jesus did, but he did it for a reason. He didn't do it just for grins and giggles. And he didn't do it just for those people to be healed. He did it as an illustration to every believer, every believer. We are a priesthood of believers. Every one of us is supposed to be doing what Jesus did. What effect would that have in our world if every one of us started acting like Jesus? The devil would take it. It's time for us to let the stronger man operate through us. Oh, I'm too weak. He says, in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. I know you're weak. I know everything about you, Randall. I want to use you regardless. But, Lord, I failed you so many times. He says, I know. I was there. I watched you do it. Did I forgive you? Well, yes, Lord. Well, is it under the blood? Well, yes, Lord. Then I've forgotten about it, so what's the deal? God needs you. And he lets you go through some things that you may not understand or agree with, maybe to help somebody else go through their thing. I have great empathy, and that's better than sympathy. Sympathy is I feel sorry for you. Empathy is I feel your sorrow. When I lost my grandson, I am more empathetic to people, parents, grandparents that have lost children. I empathize with you. Yes, I do know what you feel like. And it took a long time for me and Jesus to get on the same sheet of music again. But he always told me, don't ever stop. Don't ever give up on me. I'm not going to give up on you. And you will go through this. And when you come out the other side, you will be stronger. You may not understand that. You may not agree with it. But you will be stronger. I'm going to read you this song. I would sing it to you, but everybody would leave. This is a... This is, the, this is my closing prayer for you. This is what I want you to know. I want to encourage you with this song, if I can find. Thank you. How many of you know the song called This Is The Promise? This Is The Promise. Oh, yay. I get to tell you the first time. Listen to these words of this song. I never said that I would give you silver or gold or that you would never feel the fire or shiver in the cold. But I did say you will never walk through this world alone. And I did say, don't make this world your home. I didn't say that fear would not find you in the night 
or that loneliness was something you would never have to fight. But I did say that I'd be right there by your side, and I did say I would always help you fight. Because you know I've made a promise that I intend to keep. My grace is sufficient in every time of need. My... My love will be the anchor that you can hold on to. This is the promise that I make to you. I never said that friends would never turn their backs on you or that the world around you wouldn't see you as a fool. But I did say, like me, you'll surely be despised. And I did say, my ways confound the wise. I didn't say to you, you would never taste the bitter kiss of death or have to walk through Chile, Jordan to enter into rest. But I did say I would be waiting right on the other side, and I did say I would dry every tear that you cry. You know I've made a promise that I prepared a place, and someday sooner than you think, you'll see me face to face. And you'll sing with the angels and a countless multitude. This is the promise that I've made to you. So... Just keep on walking. Don't turn to the left or right. And in the midst of darkness, let this promise be your light. That hell cannot separate us, and you're going to make it through. This is the promise that I'm making to you. Wow. Wow. The team would come up to the instruments, please. So I thought, Lord, what will we pray for in the altar today? He said, well, pray for whatever they need. Don't pray something they don't need on them. But pray for whatever they need. You've just preached 40 minutes on, on me and what, they, what they've seen me do. So they know what I can do. They know, they've seen what I can do. You have heard, and I've told you out of this book, which is absolute truth, what Jesus did do. And then he comes to the apostles and he said, the things that you've seen me do, he didn't say, you might do, or you'll do when you feel like it. He said, the things that I did, you will do. You will do. <laughs> I have my phone on silent, but I have it on announce all calls and texts, and it just whispered in my ear, somebody here just sent you a thumbs up and a smiling emoji. <laughs> I think it was Jesus. I think Jesus just sent me a smiling face and an emoji. Amen? Thumbs up. Good job, Randall. Good job. Preach about me, brother. Preach about me. Oh, come on now. Preach about me. Don't preach about the world. Don't preach about you. Preach about me. Let the Holy Ghost use you to preach about me because I am the one who can change everything. Is there anything I cannot do? 
no, there's nothing you cannot do, God. Well, then ask me. Bring me what you have. I will break it. Thank you, brother. I will break it, and I will bless it, and I will use it, and it will bless thousands of people. You hear me? And it will bless thousands of people. Yours, what you have, will bless thousands of people. Amen. Stand with me this morning. You just heard what Jesus can do. If you have something you need for him to do, I invite you to come down here. We will do exactly what the word of God says. It says, call for the elders of the church. They will anoint them with oil. They will pray the prayer of faith. And I will heal them. I will heal them. I healed the leopard. I can heal you. I healed the blind man, the lame man. I can heal you. I raised somebody from the dead. I can heal you. If your heart is broken, I can heal that broken heart. I can bring you peace. If you're lost, if you don't know me as your Savior, I can heal you. And that is the greatest, most important healing he does. To heal that unregenerated heart and make him a child, make her a child of God. So if you have a need, I want you to come down to the front. If you don't have a need, don't come. I mean, you've got to exercise your faith. By your faith, you are healed. By your faith, you're made whole. Go, you have made whole in your, by your faith. So your faith is important to Jesus. You've got to trust him to do what you ask him to do. He looked at the two blind men that begged for him to heal them, and he said, do you believe I can do this? Why would he ask him that? Because he wanted them to say it out loud. We believe that you are the healer and that you will heal me. And he healed him. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you're standing there and you're thinking, should I go? I'm telling you, you should. You should. It's not me and it's not the people praying for you. It is him. It is the healer. The stronger man, listen to me, the stronger man can come into your life where the strong man has control and kick him out and take you over and give you peace and joy and salvation and healing. Yes, he's able to do that. Yes, he is. Carol, bring me the napkins. So I need, I need one, two, three, four, five. Well, I need one, two, three, four, five, six. I need six women that are filled with the Holy Ghost and their prayer is in action today. Their prayer is intact today. Six women. Come on, six women. You know who you are. Come on. Six women. Thank you, darling. Come on, six women. Or I might have to come back there and pray for you. Thank you. One behind each. One behind each. Yeah. There's a lady, young lady right here. There's one over here. Over here. One per. They only do one person praying for them. Okay. If there's 
more women than, than there are people paid for. Go ahead and put two or three behind each one. I, okay, I need some men. I need one, two, three, four men to come and help me pray. Four men come help me pray. Choose one. If there's more of you, choose two. Yeah. Okay, now look at me. Look at me. Stop praying and look at me for a minute. You are not here to impress anyone. You are not here to fall down on the floor. You are not here to pray yourself healthy. You are here for one reason, that is to surrender what you have to the Master. And let the Master, if he has to, break it and then bless it so he can use it for his kingdom. That's what you're here for. You are to surrender what you have. If it's sin, surrender it to him. He will wash it away with his blood. If it's a body, a physical ailment, he can heal that body. If it's in your mind, he can heal your mind. If it's your heart, he can heal your heart. If you've been up here a hundred times before and you've got nothing, then he can help you this morning. But you, look at me. I didn't tell you to start praying yet. Yeah, we get kind of pushy. Because I want you to hear this. I want you to be healed. I want you to be touched. I want you to be changed. I want you to be different when you leave here. I want you to know and, ex and experience that God is your healer. Sometimes you shouldn't be praying. You should be listening to those people praying for you. You hear me? So if the Lord, if the Lord says, be quiet, be still, and just listen to people pray for you, then do that. You've got to surrender to Him. It doesn't matter what it is because you know the stronger man. And the stronger man is stronger than whatever it is in your life that's bugging you. If it's forgiveness that you need to have, he can bring to you a healing forgiveness. Amen? Amen? Okay. So there's no one else that needs to come pray. You prayers, I want you to get your mind on what you're doing. There's nothing more important than what you're going to do right now. You're going to communicate with the Father about that person. There's nothing more important in, in your world than that right now. I want you to have your mind on God. I want you to remember the scriptures of the healings that he did, and I want you to pray healing, the healing virtue of Christ to come on that person. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? No preconceived ideas. No. Nothing from the past. Nothing from the future. Just right this moment, we're going to pray for you. Okay?
strongholds down. Tear those strongholds down. Come on, tear those strongholds down. Nothing is impossible for God. Oh, Come on, tear those strongholds down. The enemy is a liar. The enemy is defeated. He has no authority. He has no power. He has no dunamis or UCS. He has no authority over that person. Pray, healing over that person. Come on, tear that stronghold down. Tear that stronghold down. Surrender to him. Okay. He loves you as much as he loves anybody. What you need.
Praise the Lord. Amen. The stronger man is in the house. Oh, I want the stronger man to be in my house. This house right here. Amen. I want the stronger man to be in my house out there where I live. I want him to reign and rule in that house. I want him to have control. I don't want people to come in and have control. I want the stronger man to come in and kick out all the bad guys. Yes. Amen. Glory. They can continue to pray. <laughs> Randall's been talking about telling the devil to get out. Let me tell you something that happened yesterday. You know how on your phone... When you record on your phone, you know, it'll put the caption down at the bottom. Well, my daughter did a conference yesterday, and they were recording it on her phone. And when she was playing it back to us, she looked down uh, where at the end of the service she was speaking in tongues. And she looked down at the phone was interpreting that this way. Here, here's, what the, here's what the phone said. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's what the that's what the caption said. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. The phone is smarter than we are. It can interpret tongues. No, it was the Holy Ghost interpreting them tongues and telling that phone, "Oh, we could go on and on about this. 
Get out. Just get out. Tell that strong man to get out. Welcome the stronger man in. I get to do the unspiritual part, the announcements today. Men's breakfast coming up next Saturday at 8 a.m. in the Family Life Center. And uh, guys, be sure to sign up at the information desk so that the cooks will know how much food to purchase and prepare. And if you have any questions, contact uh, Clint Graham. Uh, family fun night for our Crossroads Church family next Sunday evening, October 1st at 6 p.m. in the Family Life Center. Bring your family, bring games, and bring food. Um, we, we said finger foods, party foods, simple foods, but you can bring anything you want. But just remember, we don't want anyone having to hang out in the kitchen all evening and not get to fellowship. And be sure when you leave that night to take your dishes and your leftovers to help make easy cleanup. Wednesday evenings are changing. October 4th, uh, 10 days from now, October 4th. At 6 p.m. will be the adult worship service and Bible study here in the sanctuary as normal. And we will have child care in the back, uh, kids view, pre-K kids, and nursery at 6 p.m. And the youth will be in the gym at 6 p.m. for gym time, activity time, fellowship, social time. At 7 p.m., the youth will have their worship service, their weekly worship service. And there will be several adult classes offered on Wednesday nights for those who would like to take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, one will be intercessory prayer group, which will meet here in the sanctuary. A Bible study in Spanish will begin initially in the conference room. Living free study and support group will be in room 103 back here. Pain to Purpose will continue to meet at the present time uh, as they normally do on the second Wednesday of each month out in the FLC in room 300. Other classes or topics may be offered from time to time, but this is what we're going to be starting with. And each class or small will have the option to meet weekly, um, every other week, monthly, as the leader and the class so chooses. Adults, if you choose not to attend uh, one of the specialty classes and you're waiting on your youth student who's out in the youth worship service, you might make this an opportunity to get better acquainted with some of the other parents, find you a place to fellowship or socialize at, a nearby restaurant, whatever, and then come back for your youth student. They probably will conclude about 8.15 on Wednesday nights. Um, we will not be offering child care at the present time, at that 7 o'clock time. As our staff uh, increases to be able to provide child care, we will consider that. But at the present, we won't be offering child care beyond the worship service time on Wednesday nights. Thank you so much. Amen. Thanks for changing. Change is good. We're going to ask Lance Simpson to come and close in prayer. What I want you to remember from this service is the stronger man is now in you. He is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are blessed today. I know I, know I was. That's what, that's what it's about. We hear the word of God being preached. And allow the Holy Spirit just to move, just to just to have his way with us. Y'all bow your heads with me, please. Father God, we thank you for this beautiful day that you give us. Thank you for your word today, Lord. Uh, we just thank you for just 
your presence with us today, Lord God. We just give you all the praise and all the glory and honor, Father God, that only you deserve. I pray for blessings on each and every person in here. Lord, you know every need in this house today. And I pray as we go today, Lord, just keep on ministering to your children, Lord, and just love on them. We thank you for that, Lord. And we love you and, and we praise you. And it's in your name, the precious name of Jesus, we ask. Amen.